course, of course. Tanya, I am looking forward to what's coming out of those rooms so that over the next, say, five, ten years. Imagine that. Imagine if we fast forward 40 years and that the kids that are walking in there into the nursery department are the future presidents, mayors, ministry officials. Because that's what we're sowing into. We're not necessarily just sowing into what's going to help us today. You know, the Word of God says that those that sow in tears reap in joy. And if we are only sowing into what makes me happy today, I'll starve to death at some point in time. We've got to be sowing into, into other people. Um, I've got something, to, this morning's gonna be a little bit different and I, and I hope you just kind of go with me on this. Um, I wanna read a few verses out of 1 John and then we're gonna walk through a couple of prayer exercises to help us apply those verses to our lives. Um, and then I will have us out of here by by two o'clock at the latest, I promise. I promise. Um, okay, so this is First John, if anyone wants to follow with. First John 4, starting in verse 7. As we read this, remember, I know uh, Miss Julie Beter was here um, last week, and what an amazing experience that was to be able to spend time with one of my earliest mentors for an entire week. But before that, we had um, Cindy Putman and Brandon Russell leading us into these conversations that we get to have with somebody that might think differently than us, that might look differently than us. And the week after that, we started focusing on 1 John and leaning into what does it look like to love other people? What happens if I'm, I am called to love people in my family that think radically different than, than the way that I do? What happens if I'm called to love family members that voted for somebody differently than I do? I don't know if your family's like, like mine, but anytime that we disagree, our ability to love each other just seems to fall apart. We, we don't do a good job at communicating and putting tools in our, in our tool bag on being able to love in spite of disagreement. I mean, I can, I mean, we were joking about Diet Dr. Pepper versus, you know, Diet Coke. And obviously Diet Dr. Pepper is the right way to go, but we joke about that, but we divide over sports teams. We definitely divide over political affiliations. We divide over color. We divide over religion. We don't have a really good ability. I say, I'm not we. I'm not, I'm not talking about Church on the Hill. We love very well here. I'm saying as a culture, as a world, this is not something that, uh, that we're taught how to do. So with that in mind, I want us to lean into First uh, John 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, cha-cha-cha, does not know God, for God is love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and has made his love complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he has given, a, he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and they, li and they in God. And we know and rely on the love that God has for us. 
we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are the same as Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And anyone who fears is not made perfect in love. So if you're afraid on the day of judgment that God's going to punish you, you've not had a revelation of the love that he has towards you. If you're afraid that, that God is this Zeus up in heaven with a lightning bolt, you know, just desperately desiring to send people to hell, you've not had an encounter with the love of God. We love, why? Why in the world do we do any of this? We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. If I don't have the ability to love somebody that that has a different color skin than I do, and I'm not talking about being in the same room, I'm not talking about be nice to somebody, I mean love. What, What does he say that love looks like? That God sent his son down to the world that died a death that I should have died so that I might live a life that he deserved. Self-sacrificial love. That's, that's the love that we're talking about. If I don't have the ability to, to lay my life down and it definitely my opinion down for my brothers and sisters that have a different color skin, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, oh, the love of the Father is not in you and you're destined to hell. I'm, this is a metaphor talking about this is an area that we need to grow in. Do I have the ability to lay my life down to love somebody, to definitely lay my opinion down when I'm talking to brothers and sisters that vote differently than I do. And I'm talking about like people that disagree on a fundamental level. Like I've got friends that don't believe that Jesus exists. You know, I I have friends that believe that the foundation, the cornerstone of my entire life is the same as believing in some imaginary uh, figment. We won't metal, you know, because we got kids in the room. But saying that my Jesus is no different than somebody believing in aliens. I fundamentally, at the core of my identity, disagree with somebody that doesn't believe that Jesus is, is real. Do I have the ability to love an unbeliever? Yes. Why? It's because God loved me. And if I have the ability to love somebody that disagrees with my very fundamental view of the nature of reality itself, I can, I can love somebody that disagrees with me politically. If I have the ability to love somebody that disagrees about the very fundamental nature of, of the universe and of God, I have the ability to love somebody that, that I, I look differently than or that supports a different football team than I do. I have the ability to love somebody that smells differently than I do. I have the ability to love somebody that might not live under the same kind of roof that I do, or even somebody that doesn't even live under a roof at all. Do I have the ability to love, to lay down my opinion, to lay down my life and love somebody that has been hurt by actions that I have, I have done? Do I have the ability to swallow my pride and lay my life down on behalf of somebody else in my life? Theoretically, yes. I, I, I want to stand up here and, and confess that, like, if you are following me in this, you you are you are leading, or I'm leading you down a cul-de-sac. 
we are all following Jesus. None of us do a great job at this. We need to, we need to love as Jesus loved. We love because he first loved us. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. Verse 21, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Okay, so one of the first things that we're gonna do, I want you to get out your phone or get out some notebook paper or get out your, uh, your Facebook page. I want you to write down your name. So I have Justin on a piece of paper or pull up your Facebook profile or a picture of you. I, w- I want you to have a, a visceral reaction to, to what we're about to walk through. We're, we're not talking about love in some theoretical sense that one day when we're 105, we'll be able to love practically. I want you to look at some representation of yourself, whether it's your name or it's your picture. And the first thing that I wanna ask you, do you have the ability to love the person that you're seeing in front of you? When I look at myself in the mirror, does Justin have the ability to look at my reflection and go, you are loved, highly regarded, exceptional. First point that I wanna make today, I think that we fail in our ability to love others because we, we don't hear the first things that John says. Why do we love others? Well, we love others out of an outflow of having a radical experience with the God of the universe that loves me, not as I should be, but as I am. He doesn't love some future version of me once I've got all of the rough edges polished off. He loves me as I am. While we were yet sinners, while I was busted up, while I hated God, God loved me. When you look at your children and you have that unconditional love in your heart towards them, you love them whether or not they've made good decisions. You love them regardless of if their nose is too big or their ears are too small. Your love for your children has nothing to do with what they look like, has nothing to do with really what they think. You love them because you're their parent. You love them because God put a seed of love in your heart when they were born. Like, I don't have any kids, but I've heard parents talk about the first time you saw the kid, and it's just like, I didn't know that I could love somebody that much. That you look at this baby that can't defend themselves, can't take care of themselves. Sometimes they smell weird. Sometimes they scream. Sometimes they take crayons to the wall, and it's Baby darling, sometimes I wish you made different decisions than you did, but I love you. The Father loves you, regardless of decisions that you've made, regardless of decisions that you made last night, regardless of decisions that you made this morning. And the enemy has gotten in between your head and your heavenly Father, and he's made you appear unlovable to the Father. Well, God will love me more if I read the Bible a little bit more. God would love me better if I gave to the poor a little bit more. We are all trapped in a lie from the pit of hell that says that we have got to accomplish more, we have got to do more in order for God to love us more. The love of the Father is poured out from heaven. The the word says that love is shed abroad in the believer's heart by the Holy Ghost. 
So let's either look at your Facebook profile picture, look at your name, or let's close our eyes. And I want you to see yourself standing under the clouds of heaven. And just like a gentle spring rain, love falling from heaven down to earth. And every raindrop that hits you is the Father whispering, way to go. Baby, I'm so proud of you. Look at who you've grown into. Good job. At the end of everything, what does he say to us? Well done, good and faithful servant. Good job. And I know that a lot of the people that are, that are listening to this and are into the, in this room have never had a father that told you, good job, I'm proud of you. I love you. I don't care if you can't hit a t-ball to save your life. I love you. Fathers that are in this room that have the ability to tell their children, baby, I love you. Even if we got in a fight last night, you have the ability to short circuit the lie of the enemy to bring about the kingdom of heaven here today, to be able to send your, your kid a text or to turn to him and say, baby, I love you. And nothing you ever do is going to change that. I love you for not what you accomplish, not for what you do. I love you for you, not what you can build, not what you can, you can establish, not what your 401k or your IRA says about you, not what your baseball card collection says about you. I love you for you. And as we can sit there and relax in the love of the Father, the enemy will say, yeah, but what about your internet history? Yeah, but what about the pills that you have hidden? What about that bottle of vodka that you've got in the laundry room? Yeah, but what about that decision that you made with that girl? Yeah, the Father loves you, but He also knows about your skeletons that are in your closet. And if you were ever honest, His love would be tainted. That's what the lie of the enemy says. The Heavenly Father that we serve has seen everything that you've ever done in secret, has heard every word that's come out of your mouth, has, every, has heard every word that's rattled around in your head. He has seen you at your darkest times. And the frustrating thing is like, he has even seen you past the, the shield of your ego. We, there are a lot of the times I don't even know how dark I actually am because I explain away idiot decisions that I've made. Well, I hurt that person, but it was for a good reason. He sees us to our core. He sees you when you're in somebody's house that you're never supposed to have been in. He sees you making those phone calls that you've never should have made. He sees you when you're trying to wrestle with that idea of like, okay, last time. He sees you when you've been physically abusive to your spouse. And the things that we do, the things that we believe, the, the, the actions that we do as the result of that belief, they hurt his father's heart. I'm not saying that, that God's in heaven just going, ah, just go do whatever you want. 
No, the things that, that are hurting us, the things that are hurting other people are hurting the heart of the Father. But that doesn't stop his ability of looking at you and going, baby darling, I love you. Not as you should be, but as you are. Let's close our eyes again. I want you to be able to see the reflection of you in a mirror or to be able to see you standing underneath those clouds of heaven. And I just want you to whisper. Say, Justin, or assuming that your name is not Justin, just say your name, just Justin, you're loved. Justin, you are lovable. Hey, Bruce, you were crafted by God to change the world. Hey, Brandon, you are powerful. Hey, Justin, you are beautiful. What are the things that pop into your mind that fight against that? What are the things in your life that are blocking God's love from saturating you? Is it your past? Is it your self-image? Did you have a parent that, that communicated to you that you weren't lovable? As I was praying through this stuff, I was, I was sitting in poets, listening to some music, writing these words down. And if, you know, of course I'm crying in the middle of public. And I said, God, what are the things that are blocking me? And immediately I got two memories back to back of times that people in my life treated me like I was extra baggage and they would have been happier had I not been around. And those two things dropped down into my spirit and it was like, oh. And it was the foundation of what grew into this, this kudzu of a lie that I believe about myself that I'm extra baggage and that people's lives would be easier if I wasn't around. So what are the things that happened to you in your past that made you think that you were unlovable? Did you have an educator that set an unrealistic expectation? Is the mask or the shield of how you think you should be blocking the real you from feeling love? You know, we come in, in this room and we have a mask of, of the spiritual person that we should be. Well, is that mask blocking love to, from getting in? All of us are blocked from experiencing the true revelation of the Father's heart towards us. So would you just join me in asking, Holy Spirit, I have not done a great job at freeing myself from this lie or freeing from myself from this burden or this wall or this block. I've tried over and over and over. And I've not done it. Holy Spirit, will you break through my walls? Will you jump up over the wall and let me maybe even for the first time 
feel the Father's love. Can we just do something real quick and just imagine the Father in heaven and just ask him, why do you love me? What makes me lovable? Why do you think the Father loves you? All right, step two. I want to talk about the other. The person that you have in your life that you find exceptionally difficult to love. Is it your boss? Is it your spouse? Is it one of your kids? Is it yourself? Think about somebody that every time that you see them on the news or see them pop up on on Facebook or Instagram, your heart just goes... Muslims? Is it Democrats or Republicans? Is it somebody with a Roll Tide sticker on their car? Think about that person that's just like, man, my life would be a whole lot easier if you weren't around, if I didn't have to see you, if I didn't have to hear you. Say, God, will you show me what this person looks like to you? Will you show me what they look like before they got broken, before they were bent, before they were filled with such irritating viewpoints that makes me have a hard time sitting here in a conversation? Because let me me paint an extreme. Of, so we, we had an experience in, in America with a guy named Hitler that was just a horrible human being. There's a guy in Cambodia named Pol Pot that killed a million people. And he lived out his entire life, died as an old man. This man that was a nightmare to people that were around, this man Pol Pot, was born into a family that the Holy Spirit sat by his crib and said, baby darling, I love you. Now, he engaged in beliefs and in actions that twisted and warped his identity into somebody that he was never created to be. So when we say that we are loving somebody, I I want you to understand we are not loving the poor decisions that they make. We are not loving the, the twisted viewpoints, the twisted worldview. If somebody in your life is physically abusive, we are not loving the abuser. We are loving the person that God created. And sometimes that's a hard distinction to make. So Father, will you help me love this person the way that you love them?
we're going to walk through the same things. I'm going to say the word Pol Pot because I don't want you to know who I struggle with. I want you to just whisper that person's name, not loud enough for the people to, to hear you because the person sitting next to you might be the person that you're whispering. So say, hey, Pol Pot, you're loved and you are lovable. Pol Pot, you are crafted by God to change the world. Pol Pot, you're beautiful. Pol Pot, you're powerful. Pol Pot, you are not, you are not, um, defined by your past mistakes. Pol Pot, you are not your political points of view. You are not the decisions that you make. You are not the harm that you have caused my life. And so, not because you deserve it, but because I've had an experience with the Father. I choose to love you regardless of decisions that you make. You are lovable and I love you the same way that God loves me. This is very easy to do when we've got amazing musicians that are playing in the background. It's very hard to do when we're a little hungry or we just got off the phone call or you had somebody's Instagram pop up that's just like, I loved you yesterday and I want to hit you with my car today. This is a process. None of us learned how to walk on day one. None of us learned the English language on day one. Some of us, several decades later, are still having a hard time with it. This is a process that we're engaged in. But you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to be a conduit of greater love than I am today. I want to communicate something that God's love is not. God's love is not drowning in emotional, verbal, or physical abuse. Okay? God's love is not loving somebody's unhealthy behavior. If you've ever been in the home with an addict, you understand kind of the, the play of, I, I love you, but I do not love the decisions that you are making about your life. God's love is not necessarily restoration. Restoration is something different. You don't owe everybody restoration in your life. You owe everybody love. Restoration takes trust and it takes, you know, several good decisions in a row to be able to to get back into a relationship with somebody. However, you do owe love. So what is God's love? God's love is seeing that person, the person in the mirror, the person that you're sitting on the other side of the table from, seeing that person the way that God sees them. 
God's love is freeing that person, including yourself, from past errors and the punishment that those errors deserve. Forgiveness. I'm not the judge of all mankind, and I am not your judge. So I free you from whatever punishment, whatever passive aggressive, you know, comments that that I'd love to be able to say behind your back. I free you from character assassination, even though that you hurt me and you were a snot-nosed person to me. I choose to not communicate your worst past deeds to everybody in my life. God's love is allowing God to redeem and heal someone or a situation. Has anyone ever like slept on your arm and then you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and it's this dead lifeless thing in front of you? I can immediately go, well, I'll never be able to use my arm. Happens to me every morning. This is how I wake up every morning. And I have this thought of like, well, they were, they were, it was a good run while I had hands, but you know, I'll never have them again. And then all of a sudden, if I can move my arm a little bit and let some blood flow back in them, it's like, oh, okay, no, 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 we're good. I'm, I'm good. I'm all, I'm all right. God's love is like that. When we choke off the love of God to ourselves or to somebody else in our life, all of a sudden they start atrophying. They start failing to work correctly. When I choke off the love of God flowing to me, I turn into a weird, twisted, emotionally, physically numb person. So what's the the restoration? Is restoration like going and like getting some prescription? No. The restoration, how to fix that, is let that flow come back in. The love of God will do everything that it needs to do. I don't have to go back and go, hey, by the way, I think that your life would be a whole lot better if you would stop treating me like a jerk. I don't have to go diagnose somebody else. I don't have to go communicate to somebody else. Hey, I don't like you and neither does anyone else. Thinking that if we ridicule somebody enough, it'll cause a change in them. That's that's not how love works. All I have to do to change my life is to open up my heart and be a willing vessel, a willing conduit of the love of God towards me first. And this is not some arrogant ego trip of like, God loves me. If, if that's where your brain goes, you're not actually having a revelation of the love of God. When you realize that God loves you as passionately and as jaw-dropping as he does, you can't help but to love other people in your life. God has loved us and has forgiven us a tremendous debt. He sent his son to die a death that I should have died so that I could live a life that he should have lived. Go and do likewise in the world. Go and do likewise to Democrats. Go and do likewise to people that have a different skin color than you do. Go and do likewise to Republicans. Go and do likewise to Muslims especially go and do likewise to the brothers and sisters of the faith. If we can't love each other whom we can see, we can't love God that we can't see. And you know what? Stop beating yourself up about not being an expert at this because none of us are. Be honest with, with your struggle. Be honest with like, hey, here's what I'm working on right now. 
And I promise you, by the time we're 500, we will be all, we will all be experts at this. You know, 500 years is, you know, just around the corner. One, a day is coming that we won't have to struggle with this anymore. One day we're going to see him and we're going to know and go, oh, got it. But today we see in part and we know in part and we're still making steps of faith. And that's the thing that baffles all the angels in heaven. They look at you taking steps of love and forgiveness and faith and the angels in heaven are going, how? How? And then we have Jesus on the throne of the entire universe. It's like, it's because they're my kid. They look just like their daddy. Of course they love and forgive. It's who they they were created to be. So let's go ahead and stand up. Let's put a hand on our heart. If you're sitting at a table with somebody that, that you're in the same family with, you can put a hand on their shoulder. If your kids are here, please don't walk out of this room without telling them that that you love them. If your kids have text messaging, just send them a text. Say, hey, baby, I I love you. Even if it's complicated. Even if there's tension. Even if there's hurt and rejection. Hey, I love you. Because that's what the Heavenly Father did to us. We went through a nasty breakup in the Garden of Eden. And the Father still reached out. Hey, I love you. When we were still enemies with God, he said, baby, I love you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would flood the heart of the person that we're touching right now with your love. God, that you would fill me up from the top of my head to the soles of my feet with the love of the Father so that I may be able to understand what's the height and the depth and the breadth and the length that the Father has for us. Oh, how deep the Father's love for us. Holy Spirit, I can't I can't understand this love that you have towards us through natural means. It takes a a transformation. And so we fling the doors of our heart open. We say, may I love like you love. Show me how much I'm loved. And if you're here today and this is the first time that you've ever experienced the love of the Father, and said, oh, he loves me that much. I want you to tell somebody. I want you to tell somebody, lean over and say, I never knew. How could you have known? All you had was an earthly family to love you, and the earthly family that you have is not worthy of being compared to the love that the Heavenly Father has towards you. How could you have known that you were loved as well as you've loved? All you had to compare against was a church family that loved you brokenly and impractically. If the only love that you ever experienced was the love that I had towards you, no wonder you don't know that you're loved. It takes the Holy Spirit for us to 
for us to understand that the love that the Father has towards us is vast beyond all measure. That the thoughts that He thinks towards you cannot be counted. They even outnumber the grains of sand on all the shores of all the beaches of all the world. He says that I know the thoughts and the plans that I have towards you. Thoughts to give you hope and a future. To not ridicule you or beat you up. But establish your foundation so that when the storms of life come, that you're not dashed against the rocks. Oh, Father, we love you. In a broken and twisted way right now, the Holy Spirit unlocks something in us that we could love you next week more than we love you this week. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Church on the Hill, you're loved. Even though the world tells you you're not, even though your family might tell you that you're not, even though the social media will tell you that you're not loved, you're loved. And even times that I don't love you the way that I need to, we have a Heavenly Father that loves you, not as you should be, but as you are. I want you to have a great week. We've got prayer tonight. So come back at six o'clock, six o'clock if you want to join us in prayer. And our Brides in Christ uh, small group is going to be meeting uh, next week, going through the Beth Moore Bible study, Breaking Free. Is that what that is? And be praying for our school system as our administrators, our teachers, and our students go back. Love you to pieces. Have a great week.